630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Here's the staff to Riley's. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everly. He's throwing. Go to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everly. Touchdown, Eskimo. One-timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Welcome to the weekend and what a weekend it is going to be here on 6.30 Chad. We have you covered for both the Oilers and the Eskimos tomorrow at 2 o'clock coverage from the alumni game for the Heritage Classic in Winnipeg. 3.30 tomorrow, Eskimos pregame show. 5 o'clock tomorrow, Eskimos at BC Lions. 11.30 a.m. Sunday, face-off show for the Oilers and Jets, and then the actual Heritage Classic play-by-play at 1 o'clock on Sunday, and we will get you prepared for those broadcasts tonight. Jack Michaels, Glenn Anderson on the show this evening, Morley Scott, and of course we'll go over the big win last night for the Edmonton Oilers. Yes, uh, only game five of the season, but I do think we have to put at least some significance on that victory over the St. Louis Blues, and I want to hear from you about it as well as we roll along this evening. The phone lines are open, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is 6.07. It is Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched, some notes for the Edmonton Oilers today. As expected, they have called up defenseman Matthew Benning from the farm team in Bakersfield. The Condors beaten last night 5-4 in Winnipeg by the Manitoba Moose. Benning had a goal and an assist. Ben Betker sent back down to Bakersfield as well as goaltender Laurent Brassois. So it looks like Jonas Gustafsson obviously is fine and I would expect him to be Camp Talbot's backup on Sunday. Andrew Ference placed on long-term injured reserve. One of those moves it was uh, when not if it was going to happen. So the former Oilers captain now on LTIR. CFL tonight, quick update here. Ottawa leading Hamilton 26 with two minutes left in the first half. A uh, big rainstorm in Ottawa for this game. The Red Blacks clinch first in the East Division with a win, so they would get that bye for the second straight year. Hamilton trying to win and clinch a playoff spot. Remember, both these teams possible playoff opponents for the Edmonton Eskimos and I'm not talking about the Grey Cup because there's still quite a good chance the Eskimos will go through the East this year and uh, if they do finish fourth in the uh, West then maybe they play Hamilton right off the bat they still have to go to Hamilton for a regular season game of course and then if they were to win and make the East final very well that could be in Ottawa so we got to keep an eye on that one later on tonight the Calgary Stampeders will try to become the seventh team in, the, in CFL history, since the league went to the 18-game schedule, they'll try to become the seventh team to go 9-0 and at home. Pretty good chance they will do it. The Stampeders hosting Ricky Ray, who's back playing for the Argos. That game coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. So just some things we'll be watching on the scoreboard. I'll get to the uh, NHL scores in a little bit lighter night in the league tonight. We have Jared on the phone lines right off the bat. Hey, Jared. How's it going? Hey, I'm doing great. Good. You know, I remember watching the Edmonton play St. Louis a year ago in the Oilers' first game. And, you know, when you look at how different St. Louis is without 
Steve Vaughn and David Backus and Troy Brower. They're a very different team. And then when you flip it and you see that the Oilers now have Lucic, Maroon, Cassian, Larson, Russell, I mean, that's a difference of eight players. And when I, I wasn't at the game, but I watched uh, on TV. And St. Louis is not that same, like, physical uh, dominating team there were they were last year and what did you think of the game last night in terms of that aspect of theirs uh, well I, I agree I mean you certainly noticed the absence of Bacchus for sure and I thought it was interesting that Ken Hitchcock said after the game we played too much on the perimeter and we didn't take advantage of good goaltending I, I mean we've seen the Oilers be outshot in a couple games this season where they probably deserve to be outshot the Blues outshot them last night, but I didn't necessarily feel that was indicative of the scoring chances because, quite frankly, Edmonton had better scoring chances, especially in the third period. And you're right. There, there are some changes to the Oilers lineup that make them better to stand up to a team like the Blues, even if the Blues aren't the Blues of old. And, that, and that's the thing, Jared. We see a little more variety in the Oilers lineup. I mean, you can't just totally get rid of the skill. You can't get rid of all the Jordan Everleys of the world because you need guys who can snipe goals. But clear, I mean, to me, I don't know what you thought, Jared. To me, of the 15 periods the Oilers have played so far, the third period last night was Lucic's best as an Oiler, and I thought he was the best player on the ice in the third. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, he's got, he has like a very uh, different dimension. I, the only thing I, I think with like Drysaitel and Lucic is how uh, Drysaitel maybe uh, tailed off in the second half, and that you know you got to play those guys, but you got to you know you could have that mid-season wall where all of a sudden the legs aren't there and everyone's kind of looks a little bit sluggish. So I mean, when you're playing a physical game, you're taking a lot out of the opponent, but you also uh, take a lot out of yourself. I remember that 2004 Stanley Cup, Calgary and Tampa Bay. Calgary was a very physical team, but at the end, they just ran out of gas. And I think that that's something when you do play a physical game, it, it also takes a lot out of you. So you have to be selective with it, like when you're going to turn it up and how you're going to conserve energy. But I think Connor McDavid, he kind of adjusted quite well last night to uh, on that last goal, he had a few good, a few different moves. He wasn't just coming straight out the defense. And I think that a lot for him, he's going to have to become more like a, a baseball pitcher where he's, you know, maybe he comes in across the blue line and just lets a slap shot go to change it up, which will allow him maybe to penetrate the blue line. But if all he does is try to drive, 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 the defense will start to, to, uh, to uh, stand him up. So I think it's going to become, he's going to be, it's going to be more of a mind game with him now in the defenseman because, they're going to be trying to figure him out, and he's going to be trying to figure it, uh, them out. And I think he did last night, especially on that last goal, which was a beautiful goal. And just one last comment. I'm happy for Cam Talbin. I think now that his uh, he's had his twins, I think we're going to have a real nice uh, streak from him. I got a question. Yeah, I, for sure. I got a question for you, Jared, before I let you go. You brought up Adam Larson when you mentioned the physical guys on the team, which yeah. I find encouraging. Did you have a problem with the elbowing penalty he took on Tarasenko? Not really, no, because I think that, uh, I mean, as long as it, like, the elbow that Lucic threw, I, I don't know, who did he elbow the other game? The one where he just clipped him in the side of the head? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, but I remember the play, but I can't remember who he hit. Yeah, as long as it doesn't ever result in uh, in a suspension, but I had never seen him play until this year, so I did not really know what to expect from him. Like, when they traded for him, I was like, 
mm, I don't even know who this guy is, but right. he's he's I think he's like all the Swedish uh, Finnish defensemen. There, I think they're a little um, more polished, like with handling the puck and and their turns and making plays in some of the North American defensemen. So you're going to get like a solid like uh, player in terms of like fundamentals. But he is he is fairly aggressive. I was expecting maybe a little bit more on the Nicholas Lidstrom side, but until you see him play. The statistics really don't mean much, but that first pair they have, I think, is a is a is a very nice pair to throw it against the the bigger lines. But it'd be nice if they they had like a a slicker puck moving defenseman that could uh, make a, some nicer passes to Connor McDavid and some of the forwards because sometimes when they get the heat on them, they're just wrapping the puck around the, the boards. Or yeah. even in the last game when they were the when they won against Carolina. Larson took the puck in behind the net, and he was just trying to lose it in his. I know he, he didn't. <laughs> he, he didn't have that confidence. He, did, he didn't have a great night against Carolina. He, he kind of yeah. he look. He had some good plays, but he had some plays where he looked a little a little off. But I mean, every every player is going to have nights like that, so hopefully they don't happen uh, yeah. often and for Larson, who is a little meaner than I thought he would be, which is nice to yeah. see. And with Darnell Nurse, he like he he plays that he played a little more of that game where he just keeps a tight gap. He plays like a good skating game. He's mean and aggressive, and then he doesn't have to overhandle the puck. He plays the man more than the puck. Right. When, when he starts playing with the puck a little bit, every defenseman, you don't want to play with the puck too much because then you're going to get stripped of it. So if he keeps his game simple and works to his strength, he's actually a very, very good defenseman. But when he steps out of that and tries to get too fancy, he can get all in all kinds of trouble there. Jared, good to hear from you, buddy. I'll talk to you again, okay? Okay, have a good night, Reed. That's Jared at 780-496-0063. Yeah, quick recap of the win last night as the Oilers go to 4-1. Shot Sekra, redirected home. Tyler Pitlick with the tip, and Edmonton's got this game tied at 1. McDavid driving in, left circle, back door. Rich shot, score, Milan Lucic. Off the rush, it's McDavid to Lucic. And Edmonton has its first lead of the night, 2-1. to one. Tarasenko coughed it up, McDavid with an empty net. Skates toward that net, backhander, score! 3-1 Edmonton! They're not the Oilers of the last few years, you can tell you that. They're, they're a good hockey club, and... You know, obviously, uh, some good additions to their team. They're big, they're strong, they're a lot of good players. I mean, they're going to be a good team. And I think you could see the size difference along the walls tonight. Um, Lucic, Patty Maroon, Cassian, those type of players, even Pitlick, Schlepeshlev, um, the ability to play in those tight areas along the walls and just advance the puck a little bit more. Having the mindset that we believe that we believe that we could come out with a win this game is is a type of mindset that that we're starting to build in our in our hockey club and uh, I think you know I think that's what helped us get this win here tonight okay wait a minute wait a minute Ken Hitchcock calls the Oilers big and strong Todd McClellan says they're winning board battles Milan Lucic is talking about confidence are you a believer after last night, I, I, fi- I found those interesting. want to look into this a little bit more. We have some uh, audio from the alumni skate today at MTS Center. Solani and Gretzky will have some clips coming up. Jack Michaels from Winnipeg, too. And your calls and thoughts, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We're off to a flying start on a Friday. Inside Sports on Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. 
The Edmonton Oil Kings are in action tonight. 7 o'clock game at Rogers Place hosting Prince Albert. We will keep you updated throughout the show. NHL tonight, Columbus leads Chicago 2-1 halfway through the game. Also in the second period, Coyotes and Islanders are tied 2-2. The Predators and Red Wings, no one has scored in that one. They're through 20 minutes. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Eskimos game tomorrow, Oilers game on Sunday. Alumni game for the Heritage Classic tomorrow. We'll have Glenn Anderson on the show between 7 and 7.30. Wayne Gretzky was talking about the fan reaction during the alumni practice at MTS Center. It was a really nice uh, reaction from the fans and probably good they uh, acted like that before they saw us play because it wouldn't have been that friendly. <laughs> but no, it was a fun day for us and we all had a good time out there. And Tamu Solani getting ready for the alumni game as well. So excited, obviously. And uh, every time when I come here, you know, it's, it's a really special trip. And, uh, and especially this, you know, there's a, like guys that I haven't seen in 20 years. And uh, it's going to be a fun weekend overall. All right, there we go. Gretzky and Solani, two of the big names taking, well, I mean, a lot of big names. Howard, Chuck, Messier, you can you can go down these rosters. And like I said, Glenn Anderson coming up between 7 and 7.30 tonight. Matthew Panashik is our studio producer this evening. Matthew, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Reed. Good to see you. You went to the 2003 Heritage Classic, correct? I did. It was a lot of fun. It was very cold out, though. That's, I didn't go. I was working in Lloydminster. I watched the game on TV. I know there's a picture of uh, Dave, Dave Campbell was at the game working for 630 Chad. There's a picture of him somewhere down by the rink. Looks like he's holding up a hot chocolate or something. You really can't see much of his... I mean, it, there's nothing really exposed, I think, except for his eyes. He's completely, he's completely wrapped up. But, I mean, people spent, what, about six hours out in the cold? Something like that. I remember reading one of my brother, my brother bought a uh, Coke out there, a bottle of Coke, and it actually froze. Oh, couldn't, couldn't drink it anymore, man. It was, it was frozen. Oh, did, did you wear any of those, what do you call those little warmers, like the pocket warmers or whatever you put in your gloves or your shoes? Your yes. Boots? Yes, we had battery. Yeah, we had battery-operated heaters, but those didn't matter. I mean, my feet were, my feet were frozen after the first period. So, <laughs> did you go to? Because the alumni game was the same day, then, wasn't it? Yes, it was before the actual game. And did you go to that? Yes, and and what I what I also did was that they let us in for practice the day before to watch the alumni practice. Me and my dad went to that, and there was also that night that before where there was a big gala at at Rexall Place where they had all the alumni from both teams, Guy Lafleur and Gretzky, and all those guys speak with Ron McLean. It was a really cool event to be at, that's for sure. It was a really neat neat time just to sit, at, sit there and listen to the stories about the guys and the way they played and stuff like that. And you know, It was really really a fun time to listen to the stories. All right. Well, yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Now, were you um, – so did you, go, did you go to the entire alumni game? Yes. And was it already cold for that, or did it just get colder after the sun went oh, down? Oh, it, it was cold all day, Reed, if I remember that. It was, like, just absolutely freezing out. You know, but we, we barely got into – we just got into our seats right as the alumni game was about to start. So Okay. They were but the game was, players. what, at 5 o'clock Edmonton time? Yeah. In late November, so yeah. it was already dark and getting cold. But it wouldn't yeah. have met. I mean, the games now are usually in the afternoon, right? Yes. But I don't if it's if it's cold in Canada, I guess yeah. it's cold in Canada. Wouldn't so have mattered, buddy, that day. It doesn't make a big difference. You know, you should take a look at the, at the high the next – day after the game was played was like plus one or something like that i guess the next day after the game the yeah, heat wave it, rolled in it, the late november heat wave yep there was a heat wave that rolled in it's funny how uh, that worked out 
780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We will get one eventually. There'll be another Heritage Classic in Edmonton. And I would think once Ice District is, uh, well, I don't know if it'll ever be totally finished, but once you have a lot of the construction kind of firmed up in a couple of years, I would think Edmonton will get a draft and an all-star game as well, which will be pretty cool. Uh, Viking Rod says, Reed, the Oilers defenseman who gives the puck away the most is Andre Sekra. He also says, for the first time in a decade, I felt the fans as well as the team were calm in Rogers' place last night. I thought uh, Sekra and a few other guys had turnovers just inside the blue line. And I, I have to admit, I'm going to have to ask a little bit about the ice at Rogers' place because the puck looked a little sticky sometimes when guys were trying to clear it. Both teams, not just the Oilers. I was I was hesitant to comment too much on the ice after just a game or two, but I wonder if something is 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 up with that. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text six thirty six thirty. Jack Michaels is in Winnipeg, getting ready for the Heritage Classic. He's up next, and then Glenn Anderson between seven and seven thirty. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio six thirty. Chad. Listening to 6:30 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, great to have you along for the ride. Inside Sports on 6:30 Ched, Friday, October 21st. Ten days until Halloween. I don't know about you, Matthew. There have been Halloween decorations up in my neighborhood pretty much since the start of the month. I don't know what's happened, but the older I get, it seems the earlier people want to, I'm not going to use the word celebrate, because I don't think we uh, celebrate Halloween, and it's not even a holiday. It's, it's, it's like the older I get, the earlier people feel the need to uh, somehow recognize annual events on the calendar. I don't get it. I always thought Halloween was one of those celebrations that was dying off you know what i mean that was going out of style to do so i'm surprised that decorations were up that early for in your neighborhood reed well and i've seen them in other parts of town as well when i was a kid it was like you got your costume you got candy that day maybe the odd house might throw out some spooky stuff on the lawn for that night and that was it it was done but now it's like it's halloween and there's already Christmas stuff out there. Oh. And then you know, like, January 1st, the Valentine stuff is going to be out. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like they're trying to make you feel guilty if, if you don't engage with the, in the festivities right away. Yeah, then after Valentine's comes Easter, and then we're right back into the cycle. I think we should just combine everything into one day. <laughs> all, like, all the, non, all, all the non-religious holidays. Yeah? You know what I mean? Like, do I don't that. think Halloween quite merits the uh, attention that it gets. I don't know. Maybe I'm becoming an old curmudgeon. So you're not giving out candy? I'm turning into Andy Rooney. Are you giving out candy on that day or not? Are you going to be at home or are you going to be here? Well, no, I'll be here. Monday the 31st. I'll be here until 8 o'clock. What we should do is we should do a remote from your house as you give out candy. No, we're not going to do that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Reed Wilkins, oh, here's your candy. Welcome back now to Inside Sports. Here you go. Now get off my lawn, you little spook. Brian Hall will be at Reed's me. house handing out candy that night, by the way. 
Well, I Long actually, I, was, I wasn't trying to do the Halsey voice, but as people know, I have only about one voice that I apply, <laughs> I apply to everything. By the way, it is pouring rain in Ottawa. Have you seen any of this uh, game? I'm watching the game, and yeah, it's just <laughs> coming down. I'm surprised the field isn't saturated It is yet. insanely, like, that is a massive rain. So 27-12 for the Red Blacks over the Tiger Cats. Uh, seven degrees, feels like four, the wind gusting to over 20. I, I'm surprised it's not cold. It probably feels even colder than four if you're sitting there getting saturated. It does not look like a big crowd, as the, obviously, in the, in the weather you wouldn't expect it to be. No uh, weather worries for the Eskimos tomorrow. They will be playing at the BC Lions. Oilers South texting in. He says, Reed, get into the spirit. LOL. Well... I could be dressed as a werewolf right now, and you wouldn't even know it. <laughs> would be the point of wearing a Halloween costume to do a radio show. I'd be, well, I guess you could take, put pictures on Twitter or Instagram, Snapchat, all that fun stuff. You know why they invented Snapchat, right? What's that for? Well, there's no need to talk about it if you know. Oh, okay. Ryan says... Oh, first, Brian says, Valentine's is the absolute worst, and he has absolute worst in capital letters. <laughs> that is from Brian. Uh, all right, Ryan's, uh, Ryan has a little story from the original Heritage Classic. These are texts, by the way, to 630-630. He says, never mind the Coke freezing. Our beers were freezing up, but in true North fashion, the beer vendors were out in full swing yelling, cold beer. And out of the peanut gallery, you hear a faint voice howl in response, how about a flippin' Sudafed? Well, the whole section erupted in laughter, and I was warm for about five minutes from laughing. It was good times. That is from Ryan. You know, I, so, so whatever it was, minus 20, minus 25 for the Heritage Classic, I wonder what the coldest it could have got for people to sit through that hockey game. You know what I mean? Like... I mean, we we joke around, but it's kind of true. If the Oilers had a game at 7 a.m. on Christmas morning, there I don't know if the rink would be full, but there'd be a lot of people in the rink, right? If the Oilers had a game at 3 a.m. tonight, I bet you there'd be like that's hockey. I'm not just it's not just Edmonton. That's hockey in this country. I wonder what the coldest people would sit through to attend. Um, I don't know, do we lump a Grey Cup into that, too? Like a big outdoor sporting event in Canada, a Grey Cup, a Heritage Classic? Like, what's the coldest you would... What's the coldest you would have endured, Matthew? Uh, probably the Heritage Classic. That's as cold as I would get. No, but what... Like, what? So what was it that day? Was it minus 25? It was something minus... It was in the minus 20s with the windshield about minus 25 that day. The lowest I'd probably go read is minus 30. That'd be, that'd be the cutoff. Then right you'd there. be like, I'm just... I'm not... It's not worth it. Even if yeah. you spent a lot on the ticket... You'd say this is this is not safe. It's not worth the discomfort. Agreed, hundred percent. They were close. To, I think they were pretty close to moving the game back to Rexall that day. I think they were, but who knows? I know I've attended some cold Eskimos games. The '97 Grey Cup between Toronto and Saskatchewan was pretty cold. Uh, I and I know when I first started going to Eskimos games, there were games that weren't that cold, but I hadn't let yet learn how to dress. Like, if it's, if it's windy and cool in August, I'm like, I don't care. I'm wearing long johns. I know it's August, but I've, I've just become like, I don't want to feel cold at all. But I, I, I don't know. Like, if it, if, it was a, if it was a gray cup, it would have to be pretty bad for me not to go if it were in Edmonton and I had tickets, and, and if the Eskimos were in it especially. Because you pay for the ticket, right? Yeah. 
I heard the halftime show that was pretty good that year. I think it was Trooper, right? Halftime show in 97. In 97? Was it Trooper? Yeah, oh, I, I believe it was. Even, people, everybody knows how I feel about halftime shows. Trooper, man. Raise I know uh, Come on, 2002 was, wasn't that Shania? Yeah, she lip-synced. And it was 2010, uh, it wasn't Love, it was BTO, wasn't it? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, 97 probably was Trooper. Yeah. Uh, Basil says, uh, what was the last Western final? That was pretty bitter, LOL. I'm, I, well, I'm guessing that's a Stampeders fan. <laughs> it was, wasn't that cold uh, in November 2015, wasn't it? Wasn't that some Western fouls in the 90s. I remember that one game, like they were like, oh, Flutie's hands froze. That was in Calgary, yeah. yeah there were Calgary. some crazy no, games to, in, in Calgary, yeah. That's had to bring out the snow plows still, to get the okay, line. It's still one of the best ever. We're getting off topic. Well, not really. It's a, a, outdoor stuff in Canada. And we do have Jack Michaels coming up in a few minutes. Um, was it the 90? The Eskimos weren't in it. The 90, the 94 game. BC was third. They upset Edmonton in the West Semi. They went to Calgary for the West Final. I think a blizzard came in at some point during the game, and it was back and forth. Like Calgary was always ahead by, I think, six, and then it would be, they'd be ahead by nine. BC would get within three or six. And then remember, Calgary was kicking a field goal, and Ray Alexander, that lanky receiver the Lions had, blocked the field goal to keep it a one-score game. And BC drove down McManus to Darren Flutie with no time left on the clock. That's that's one of the greatest games ever in the CFL, and I think the weather was a bit bad for that one. Uh, oh wow, we got a lot of texts coming in about the Heritage Classic here. Southside Rob, he says, Reed, I watched the Heritage Classic in the comfort of my man cave, but I do recall attending the Grey Cup in Edmonton, Hamilton versus Winnipeg. That was 1984. Rob says, I think it was minus 35 Celsius. It was like being in a deep freeze. I think it had to be the coldest game ever. <laughs> uh, somebody else says, Reed, you sound like a grumpy old man today. Well, fair enough. Well, just because I think it's too early to get into Halloween, that's all. That's just a, It doesn't make me grumpy. I think it just makes me realistic. Uh, here's, here's a text from Paul, clearly a loyal listener. Reed, I would stay in minus 35 for a gray cup if the halftime show involved super dogs. <laughs> so would I, Paul, if they were actually super and not the mediocre dogs we are often forced to endure. <laughs> uh, Trent says, I remember playing football when I was about 10 years old and uh, and not have the... Each quarter, they'd have to shovel all the lines on the field because it was snowing so hard. That was around 25 below. Trent, did you play in short sleeves to prove your masculinity? There's my follow-up question. This texture says, I think it was around minus 28 for the Heritage Classic. Very cold. 50 hot shots and a lot of booze. Only time it was warm was when the F-18s went through. I would do it again. My wife might not, though, LOL. That's a text to 636. Well, that's from Blair. Texting 63630. <laughs> was there a streaker at the Heritage Classic? Somebody just texted that in? Yes, there was. There was. Jeez, eh? I remember him climbing oh. over the uh, one of the big billboards There's there. evidence of what the body can endure. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, he got caught pretty quick, but yeah, it must have been pretty yeah. cold, buddy. Well, and there's a built-in excuse. Hey, it was cold! 
644-780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Glenn Anderson coming up after 7. It's Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Great game for the new dad, Cam Talbot, last night. And it was, of course, Jack Michaels bringing you the call on the Oilers Radio Network and 630 Ched Jack now in Winnipeg to broadcast the Heritage Classic. Jack, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Always a pleasure meeting and uh, getting ready for my first experience with an outdoor game. So I'm really excited. I obviously wasn't living in Edmonton at the time of the original Heritage Classic and haven't had a chance to attend any as a fan or in any professional working capacity. So for me... Uh, this is this is going to be a fun weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about various locations you've called games from. How many times, and, and you've done stuff other than hockey, your infamous uh, ostrich race story will live forever in the uh, Inside Sports Audio Archives. How many, how many times have you called the game in a football stadium? Well, I mean, I've, a hockey game, zero. Right. <laughs> I, can but... gar- I can guarantee you, growing up in western Pennsylvania as a huge football fan, I never for one moment uh, envisioned myself calling a hockey game in a football stadium in Winnipeg, Manitoba. That's <laughs> 100%. Uh, I, can, I can say that with absolute validity. And, yeah, I mean, I've, I've uh, the most exotic, you know, rink uh, I could probably tell you is I, I called games in a high school rink that was kind of open air. It had a roof on it, but it was a lot of, like a lot of the Edmonton facilities that have since been converted into strict indoor. Uh, you know, I've had the open air roof, but outside of that, certainly uh, no hockey games and football stadiums for me. So it'll be a unique perspective. I got a chance to scout out the broadcast location today, and I think Bob and I will have a lot of fun with it. What, what, tell me a little bit about the broadcast location. Are you, are you a long way from the ice, or do they have something set up where you're a little bit closer? No, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm right about what I would envision would be about the 30-yard line, uh, which, is, which is a little bit inside the blue line, not too high up, which gives it a, a bit of a flatter plane. So I think pucks that go into the near corners, I might have to invent a few things for our Oilers Radio Network listeners. But overall, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, I, there's, there's no complaints about the distance from the ice. It's just a flatter plane that I'm used to. But we'll, we'll figure it out. Trust me, I've, I've handled a lot worse locations than what I'll have on Sunday afternoon, that's for sure. Uh, I know I know you just got into Winnipeg today, and uh, you're going to get a lot more sense of stuff uh, as you go through tonight and into tomorrow, but uh, have you got a sense of the vibe or the hype surrounding the game, Jack? Oh, for sure. I mean, we went to the stadium first thing. I mean, first of all, Investors Group Field is a magnificent facility. I know you're a big CFL guy, Reed. I don't know whether you've made the road trip here to see the Eskimos uh, take on the Blue Bombers, but it's a really nice field. I mean, it's got a great vibe around it just, you know, walking into the stadium. And then, yeah, I mean, players are, you know, taking panoramic photos and sending them back to, you know, their key associates. And I think a lot of people were having a, a great deal of fun. Then the rain came, believe it or not. There's rain uh, in Winnipeg in October. So that actually wiped out the media skate, which really disappointed our uh, broadcast colleague Bob Stoffer. I think he wanted to show he still had some wheels left. Uh, there was no danger of that coming from yours truly, but uh, I know he was a little disappointed that he didn't get a chance to show his once unrivaled skills. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, absolutely. As as our legendary with the Southside Athletic Club. Uh, <laughs> he played for the Southside Athletic Club. Yeah, oh, you just heard that, eh? Yeah, I'm the first one to tell you, right? <laughs> I did. I did not know that. You know, someone told me once that Stu McGregor coached the Southside Athletic Club. I wonder whether he and Stu crossed paths at yeah, that one. We'll have to ask Bob. You should ask him on air tomorrow. <laughs> All right, I'll do that. I also ask him if he ever had any connections with the University of Alberta. Anyway. Or, or uh, tree planting. <laughs> I, think, I think we covered them all. There's there's the bio on Bob right there. Oh, he's not here to defend himself, but that's all right. Uh, the, the, the alumni game is first up. We're going to sign on at 2 o'clock Mountain for, uh, uh, I mean, not so much play-by-play, Jack, but just for some storytelling and then some looks into what's going on onto the ice. So, these, these these alumni games, these these legends games, uh, it, it's just fun, I think, to see so many of those guys all in one place on the same ice at the same time. Well, it's, you know, it is. And, and really, I mean, I, I have to not smirk at this situation because, of course, when I was growing up, and, and same with you, Reed, you're old enough to remember, look, I, you know, the Oilers won 16 in a row at one point in the playoffs against the Winnipeg Jets, and I think they were something like 49-18 and 18 during the regular season for the entirety of the decade of the 1980s, and there was a huge, I also had to giggle a little bit, they had a, a huge article in the Winnipeg paper today about Dave Ellis' uh, double overtime winner, which I think for Jets, one point I know does represent their absolute pinnacle. Uh, you know, going up three games to one in a series of the orders, of course, stormed back to win. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, in all honesty, I do enjoy re- reading about it. I enjoy. Um, hearing some of the stories of, of the Oilers and Jets. I enjoyed, quite frankly, listening to uh, Winnipeggers talk about how they were really close, like closer than you'd think. You know, and and I actually was kidding one of the fans in the lobby today. I was like, oh, you know, closer than 16 in a row? And, you know, he kind of laughed. And, so, I mean, and I, you know, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be flippant about it because I, I think, it is fair to say that if Winnipeg were in another division at that particular point in time, some of those teams might have been able to make a run uh, into the second or third round, but they would have eventually collided with Edmonton, and I think we're pretty sure of what the result would have been. So uh, it, it, is a, it is a fun vibe of being in the city right now because, uh, as you know, just like people from Edmonton, people from Winnipeg are very proud uh, to be from Winnipeg, and as much as they've embraced Jets 2.0, I think there's a real hunger to talk about the old Winnipeg Arena, which was a fun barn to play in. The Jets, as you know, employ Charlie Huddy. He's uh, you know, assistant coach, and he was a member of all those great Oiler teams that kept eliminating the Jets. So it's, you know, the long answer to your question, Reed, is absolutely. Uh, fans and, and the people in this city are pumped uh, for what's coming over the weekend. Jack Michaels, Oilers play-by-play voice, joining us here on Inside Sports. And, uh, Jack, we should time. I mean, look, the alumni game is going to be fun. It's just cool that the Oilers are involved in the Heritage Classic. But this is another game the team wants to win. And, and you know, Rob and I were talking last night on Overtime Open Line. It's, uh, it's, you can't just look at it, though, as another two points in the standings. It, it, the Oilers are back involved. There's going to be hype around McDavid, hype around Line A. And I think it's, I mean, look, we looked at the Blues game as a big benchmark for the Oilers. I think this is another one. Can they handle a two-game winning streak better than they did a few days ago against Buffalo? And can they sort of put the distractions of this game on the back burner once the puck actually drops on Sunday? 
Well, and that's where that's where your point holds a lot of validity right there, Reed. Is can and Tom McClellan has talked about it. Can this team handle any sort of prosperity? I mean, they've won four of five. You know, we looked at the schedule. You and I did before the season. Noted that only two playoff teams for a year ago uh, were in the first ten. And and really, you know, you looked at that schedule and thought Edmonton can start out seven and three. That's a nice head start getting back to the postseason for the first time in 11 years. And, and I think tomorrow is an opportunity that, yeah, Winnipeg's a club that's coming off a dramatic victory of their own, but they're also a team that fell behind Toronto 4 nothing with 25 minutes to go. I mean, this is a team that can be had defensively and in goal. I don't think, uh, you know, as much as I love Dustin Bufflin and, and Tyler Myers and, and Toby Enstrom's a, a serviceable veteran. I think he can get to the Jets. Their depth has been significantly weakened on the blue line by the absence of Jake Truba, who's a holdout as a restricted free agent um, and hasn't reported to the Jets and has demanded a trade. So you can get to Winnipeg a little bit at the offensive end. And can the Oilers play as disciplined defensively as they did the other night against the St. Louis Blues? And I know the shots were still in favor of St. Louis, but in terms of quality chances, I thought Edmonton outchanced St. Louis. I know they did. I mean, in terms of actual scoring chances, Edmonton had the better of play. And you're exactly right. The key now is to build on that victory and turn this watershed game in terms of the Heritage Classic and all the distractions and all the fun that accompanies with it and make sure you bring the two points back on the plane because – uh, as you know, they've got another quality opponent looming for for them on Wednesday against Rogers Place, and I can think nothing better of having the right kind of attitude going into that Capitals game than a win over Winnipeg and a, and a five and one record for the first time since the eighty five eighty six season. Yeah, Jack, it's going to be fun. Yeah, enjoy calling the game in that stadium, and uh, yeah, we'll be on the air with you tomorrow afternoon, and then again uh, Sunday morning, buddy. Enjoy the weekend in Winnipeg. Were you glad I got a CFL plug in there for you? I mean, I even knew Winnipeg's team nickname. You have to be pretty impressed. That's right. Well, you, you've you've embraced the Canadian game to a to a pretty acceptable extent, uh, I would say. So uh, yeah. you don't even know you don't even know this, Reed. But my alma mater's college nickname were the Bombers. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Oh, I know my stuff. The Ithaca Bombers, absolutely. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.